Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay, excellent. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Let me open up in prayer, and then we can dig into the study here. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for another wonderful day, allowing all of us to gather here. And Father, our, our purpose is to lift you up and to grow closer to you. Be with us today as we look into your words and into your precepts for us, Father, and let your spirit um, guide us and teach us. We thank you so much, Father, for your love and your mercy that you've shown each and every one of us. Amen. And that's probably my phone ringing of all things. It's in my bag, but... It's all right. <laughs> no, it's it's probably my, or is it over here? Oh, okay. Then that's not my phone. I did turn it off. <laughs> Same ringer. So, um, as usual, everyone, um, and those online, thank you for being a part of us uh, here at Living Messiah. Um, you can always go to livingmessiah.com and uh, donate there. If, uh, it will be great and help us out here. That would be wonderful. Um, and then our comments and questions, if you have them, just raise your hand. Paul, he has the mic, and he, you do? Or he, Paul has the mic, and he'll make his way to you. And we just ask, kind of be brief, be brief and be, be on point, and let's not try to get uh, too far ahead of the text so we can all learn together. So where we left off uh, last week, I did, and I want to mention this again. You need to be reading and studying for yourself. Okay, you can't just take it from anyone that's up here. You, you really have to be involved with yourself in the text and reading for yourself. And I promise you, the Father will reveal things to you um, if you just sit and meditate uh, on, those, on, on what you read. So last week, I want to mention again, the Samarit- uh, it's this, we're, and we're talking about that section where the Samaritan woman's at the well and the conversation she has with Yeshua. Um, so that's where we're at. And I also do want to remind you uh, of some of my research uh, and that I'm running on here, and it seems to be valid, that the Samaritan's Torah, the Samaritan's Bible, is only the, the first five books of the, what we would say the Hebrew, is the Hebrew Bible, okay? So what we saw was Yeshua's uh, meeting with her, obviously, at the well, but... Um, He's going to be talking to her from what, how she understands or what she knows as, let's say, knows as truth. Um, so that's going to be from the five books of Moses, okay, from the Torah. So I'm going to think it's, I think it's important for us. You know, if Messiah is going to show Messiah from those five books, then we should know how to show Messiah from those five books as well. So I might not. Uh, so I'll just show you a little bit, and there's plenty, plenty more um, as well. So the five books, uh, the five books of what we're going to be focused on uh, here in just a little bit. So we left off here in John 4:23. Uh, Let me read it. 
But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father also does seek such to worship him. Elohim is spirit, God is spirit, and those who worship him need to worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is, uh, the one who is called anointed. Um, when that one comes, he shall announce to us all. And Yeshua said to her, I who am speaking to you am he. Still, that's an awesome, awesome uh, phrase there. But let's go back up. We were talking about uh, Elohim being spirit and spirit and truth or the spirit of truth, I guess, um, how I kind of worded it last week as well. And um, so the spirit of truth, obviously, what he's talking about, she would understand this then. Or at least I'm assuming the way he's uh, speaking to her, it's something where, okay, she's going to understand. Now, here's the other point, too. Remember, Yahshua established a truth last week when we were looking at the text in this conversation. And that truth is that Jerusalem was the center of worship, not Mount Gerizim. Okay? So what he's talking about here does not have to do with which mountain, because he already established to her what truth is. Okay? So let's go with this. This is how I'm going to approach this part uh, here. If we look at Elohim's spirit, right? You may not see God. You may not see Elohim, right? But surely he's there because we see the evidence before us. So that's how I'm, I've been always look at the word spirit. Because spirit in Hebrew just means wind. And in my mind, to wrap things around as far as spiritual things and turning those spiritual things into concrete things, which we see that the, the, it seems like the Hebrew text puts forth more concrete ideas than it does abstract. So if spirit is wind, then wind, we don't know about wind Right? You can't see the wind, but you know its effects because you hear it, you might feel it, you might smell something in the wind, all right? or you see the evidence of it as it goes through the trees. Okay? So I look at it, if we look at spirituality or the spirit in that manner, to me, I'd like to say, at least that gives us a grounds for us when we're using that word and also... And also, I, I would say, convicts us to produce evidence, concrete evidence of our spirit matching with him, okay? So worship in spirit and truth. If what I just said, then if Messiah is saying he's looking for worshipers to do, worship him in spirit and truth, do you think that's a new concept that Messiah is bringing forth? A completely new New Testament teaching that Messiah is bringing forth. I would say no, because he's talking to, to this woman, all right? He wants to have a relationship. He wants to share something. He's going to share from her perspective of what she knows, and all of a sudden he's going to drop something that, you know, that's just floating out in the air and you can't grab a hold of. No, I think... The spirit, uh, the 
for me, the spirit and truth are, always have been things there that have been established, okay? Again, that concept of the spirit and wind, the, the seen and the unseen, but yet then the evidence of that. So I'm going to go here then maybe to show you a little bit of my point, okay? Hopefully this will work. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 6.4, and most of you know this is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, Yahuwah, Yahuwah, our Elohim, our God, Yahuwah is one. He's unified, all right? And you shall love Yahuwah, your Elohim, with all your heart and with all your being and with all your might. We, we say that all the time here at Living Messiah. I got this from Jeff Banner. Uh, it came across, I, I follow him, and it's like, oh, maybe this would be a good way that I can explain my thinking, and maybe you could journey down that path with me with the understanding, with making the spirit a concrete matter, okay? So he says this, Israel, pay care, this is his interpretation of it, going by strictly the words being used. So listen to it this way, Israel, pay careful attention and respond Shema, listen, do, okay? Yahweh works in unity with himself. He is united, so he wants you to be united with him in that sense. And you shall act upon your love. Love him, right? So we are to act upon that, not just sit back and have pleasant thoughts, right? I'm sure if I never did anything for my wife and just said, you know, I love you, and I did nothing, and I just sat in the corner she would say, that's not love. Am I correct? <laughs> Until I act and do things and respond to her, there comes love. All right? It's just not a mental exercise. But I think the mental part is uh, also important as we go on here. Act upon your love to Yahuwah with your thoughts and mind, with your entire body, and with everything that you possess. So... It says this, the, the, the phrase heart, mind, and soul is generally interpret, interpreted to mean that we are to love Yahweh with three things. But the reality is that this phrase is, from, is a form of poetry that is used uh, using three synonyms, okay, to show that your love for Yahuwah or God is to, is to be encompassing Beginning with your thoughts, then your bodies, then everything that we possess. Now, that's really, really concrete here. And now, the spiritual part that I want to point out here, at least what I, for me, that I'm going to present to you is, I was talking to Sister Wanda earlier. She was asking what we were going to be looking at, and it's this. Thoughts are unseen. You cannot see my thoughts. I cannot see what you're thinking to some extent. Well, I know, I know when my wife is maybe agitated with me because I see actions that come out, right? So those things that are unseen, you begin to see. But for the most part, you cannot see what your thoughts. So I'm relating to that to the spirit in the sense it's something that you can't see, okay? So that's where I'm thinking this whole idea of spirit and truth. We know the truth is what he's written down, and then to worship him in the spirit, something, the inner part of you, the things that you, no one can see, we have to 
actually act and do things to show that they are. So, so thoughts are unseen, like the spirit that you don't see, but the evidence show its existence. The spirit of the law. We've heard that. What is the spirit of the law? All right? The spirit of law is then to show the evidence, and the evidence is to do it. If the commands are written down, and the spirit of those commands it can only be that you do them. The evidence that that spirit, your spirit matches with the one who we can't see, to me it works. So that's what I put forth for you to ponder. So if, if, if I'm correct, in, or at least one way of understanding this, you know, to worship him then, who is unseen, is to make known his Torah, his law, his words, as seen. I like using the zitziot a lot because I think it's, it's interesting. With the zitziot, um, I'm going to use this terminology. The word of God says something, right? The word of God came to Abraham. The word of God, uh, this, that concept. Okay, and his words that are written down says put zitziot, put fringes on the corner of your garments, on, your, on yourself, right? Well, Ultimately, this is a manifestation of the Word of God because he said it, and now you see it. It's the Word of God has been manifested on me. And ultimately, that's what it is to guide me and to remind us what is right and what is wrong to bring us in. Again, to me, it's, it's, that, it's that manifestation. And we are to be what? Manifestations of him. If we're created in his image, and we've, you know, in some ways we've now created an Adam's image, but yet he wants us to come back to his image, then we have to act on the things that he's asked us to do and behave. We are the representations of the king. And that's pretty humbling when we start thinking about, oh, I messed up here, I messed up here. I'm not doing a very good job of showing who he is. So that's why we have to be on guard all the time on what we do. And always going and uh, and always re analyzing ourselves to make sure we're putting forth the best representation of Him as we can. So you are to show who He is ultimately, the Spirit and truth. Yeshua, to me, was just that. He was the walking by the Spirit. We've heard that plenty of time. He was the very example of walking in the spirit none of us have seen messiah all right but we hear these stories of his acts and his deeds and how he moved people and it was by what he did that to me is the whole part of walking in the spirit it is no different for us today this, uh, so again, the spirit, the wind, is shown by the evidence, the evidence of the truth or of the word. The evidence that you believe in Elohim is that you do what he commanded at Mount Sinai. That's what it comes down to. Yes, brother. Yeah, Tie, tying in what you were saying uh, there in terms of all-encompassing being our, with our thoughts in our bodies. Uh, Romans 12, um, 
if I can read two verses, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to Elohim, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but now it says, but be transformed by renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of Elohim is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So that renewing of our mind is part of that spiritual service, transforming that mind, making it over into what it, scriptures say, into the image of the one who sit, sent that word. It, it parallels what's there. It parallels about the seed and the sower and how it also parallels, um, I can't remember where it is and in, in, uh, uh, where it talks about how his word goes forth and it will not return to him without oh, the boy. results yes. that he sent it for. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Paul. So that's when he says this, you must worship him in spirit and truth. That's, again, I don't believe it was a new concept. Maybe he was just refreshing. Maybe she didn't completely understand it and, and just was refreshing her mind uh, of that. Okay? So let's go back to John. Okay? And now I want to focus on this part here. Now the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one who is called anointed. When he comes, then, you know, he'll announce to all. So if she viewed the five books of Moses as the authority and nothing else, where would she be getting this idea of Messiah? I think that's a very, that's what I was questioning, okay, after I found out, well, she didn't have the prophets and things like that. So I would say, here's one thing. I would say she got that concept from Moses himself. Now check this out. Later, later here in John, Yeshua testifies to this himself. All right, so if you don't want to believe Moses, let's believe Yeshua's words, right? Believe the words of Jesus then. And Jesus says this. Do not think that I shall accuse you, uh, you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, and whom you have set your expectation or your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would have believed me, since he wrote about me. But if you do not believe, the, believe his writings... How shall you believe my words? So my whole point about bringing this up is how did this Samaritan woman have an expectation of Messiah? She doesn't have the prophets, and obviously she doesn't have the New Testament, but out of five books, the five books of Moses, she understands that there's a Messiah coming. And our Messiah actually testifies himself that from those five books, we should be able to see the Messiah, the anointed one, okay? So what did Moses write for the people of Elohim? What did God give, Mos uh, what did God give Moses written with his own finger? Comes back to the Torah, doesn't it? The commandments written. So it's amazing how Messiah is pointing back to Moses so you can understand who he is. So we must 
if we want to fully understand our Messiah, to me, we got to go back and understand Moses so we can understand and recognize Messiah and what he's doing, maybe in a clearer light. He says, I am, the, I am speaking to you, am he. Here I have this, but it's like, I, I have not come across yet that he, and I could be wrong here, but I haven't seen anywhere where he actually said to anybody that I am the Messiah. This seems the only place. People are questioning him and questioning him and asking him, tell us plainly, tell us plainly. But it seems like, even with his apostles, it got to the point, well, I did this, I did this. Guys, what do you think? Who else would be doing this, okay? He never outright kind of said that, but here, and I could be wrong. He may have stated this other places, but he was always using the Son of Man, the Son of Man, and the Son of Man. Uh, Polly, I saw that you had your hand up. Because after this, then we're going to go look at uh, the one like Moses, the one Messiah is referring to, or, or what Messiah might be referring to. Yes, Polly. You kind of just covered what I was going to say, but verse 25 might give us a little insight into the mindset of what was being expected, which was when that one comes, he shall announce to us all. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they were expecting some great announcement, uh, some verbal proclamation that uh, the Messiah is here. I am the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking for him through what he did, which is what you touched on, he didn't come with a loud proclamation with words, but he came with a loud proclamation through his actions to those who were watching mm. for what he did. Awesome. Thank you, Polly. So I, to me, when we start really picking apart some of these things, it starts, you start really thinking about different things. Thank you, Polly. So what I want to do is I want to go see, okay, Moses, or Yeshua proclaimed, if you know Moses, you would have known who I was because it spoke of me, all right? So if this Samaritan woman only had the five books of Moses, then we have to go back to the five books of Moses and see where we can maybe pick up the Messiah trail, so to speak. Uh, uh, Jan. I'm just wondering, is there another reference that I'm not aware of right at the moment where Messiah is mentioned as coming i mean was it well known that the messiah was coming as far people? as yes and that's what i am i'm going to go back uh, to oh, the five okay. books look at that and then put that forth and then you can decide if this is where she would have this idea of messiah coming and we even see it in a couple of blessings but there's one part i want to go back to john are we going to Deuteronomy? 18? Never mind. <laughs> Thank you, John. See, John knows what's going on here. So before I read Deuteronomy 18, I want to read from Exodus 32, 34. It says this, And now go, lead the people. This is the Lord Almighty speaking to Moses, all right? And the Exodus, of course, Okay. And now go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you, meaning the mountain. See, my, messengers go, my messenger goes before you. And in the day of my visitation, in the day that I visit my people, that's what that means. And a visitation 
It's the feasts, by the way. Those feasts that are marked out are visitation times. Okay? So, in the day of my visitation, I shall visit their sin upon them. Sounds like who? Who came in the set-apart, even the set-apart spirit, this visitation. So, keep that there. So, Messiah says to trust in him, do what he says, obey those commandments. So, he, Again, we see, I'm going to go further here a little bit. You see how Messiah is not saying anything new here. He's bringing it all back to things that have been established. So back to this idea of, about Messiah. Uh, Exodus 32, like I just read, has this idea some kind of visitation is going to happen. And it sounds pretty big. because, <laughs> All right? And it, so anyhow, let's go to Deuteronomy 18. It says this, And Yahuwah, your Elohim, shall raise up for you a prophet like me, meaning Moses, okay, from your miss, from your brothers. Listen to him. Well, if he's raising up amongst the brothers, that would insinuate this is a man. That would be my suggestion. Amongst your brothers. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe not. According to all you ask of Yahuwah, your Elohim, and Horeb, in the day of the assembly. i got to camp out here real quick. The day of the assembly. Oh, no, let me, I'll come back to that. According to all I ask of Yahuwah, your Elohim, and Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of Yahuwah, uh, my Elohim, or Yahweh, my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. Then it goes on, and Yahweh said to me, being Moses, um, what they have spoken is good. I shall raise up for them a prophet like you out of the midst of their brothers, and I shall put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And I shall, I shall be, and it shall be the man who does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require of him. It's pretty no different than the messenger that took him out of Egypt either. Because he says, in that day, my, that messenger, in that day, my day of visitation, I'm going to visit upon them their sins. Already looking at this, they have to be looking, we're going to need a redeemer, another one. I know we got out of Egypt here, but we're going to need another redeemer because we did this golden calf thing. We are stuck. So I hope we can do something to atone for all these sins when he returns and get out of this somehow. Jerry. It's on. <laughs> the, this, the event that I think he's talking about when he talks about the day of assembly, am, am I going where you're going to go? Um, maybe or maybe not, but go for okay. it, please. It's when they met with God at Mount Horeb, and he, his voice sounded like a thunder and trumpet and all mm -hmm. that. Uh, it's, uh, what is it, chapter 20, verse, beg your pardon? Okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm screwed up here. Um, 
Verse 18 says, When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear, and they stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not have God speak with us, or we'll die. So, now, this is the part that I saw the day of assembly. Thank you, Jerry. So, if this is the day of the assembly... Uh, how can I word it? I'm going to do it simplified this way. Because you have how the Old Testament is written, right? We have the day of the assembly or this congregation that's here. And then when the New Testament was written, it's in Greek, has different words. This assembly in Greek is used ekklesia. Ekklesia gets translated into our Bibles as the church. So I'm just going to read it using that word correctly and translating it back. So it would read this way, according to, it says this, Yahweh your Elohim shall raise up a prophet like me from your midst, from your brothers, listen to him, according to all you ask of Yahweh your God in Horeb, in the day of the church, that's what it's saying, in the day of the church, saying, let me not hear this voice again. All I'm trying to point out here with this idea of the great assembly, make sure you always, in the Old Testament, if you're looking at it, Put the word church there, and it will get a little bit clearer what's going on here. Because right now, the way the text is written, maybe theologies, it separates the church from this assembly. They're one and the same. Point being, uh, in Acts, Acts chapter 2, it wasn't a new church being formed. It was the assembly, and it seems to be this same very day that they were being visited at one point, 3,000 di uh, 3, died. At this point, there's redemption. And that redemption's only there because of this particular prophet said that he would raise up in the likeness of Moses, doing everything Moses did, teaching everything Moses did, but he was unique that he was able to redeem us. So, since I was talking about Acts and this whole idea of this messenger coming, this is how Peter understood this whole idea too. Acts 3, Peter says this, For Moses truly said to the fathers, the patriarchs, everyone before, Yahweh our Elohim, our God, shall rise up for a prophet like me from, the, from your brothers. Him you shall uh, hear according to all matters or all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every being, every human being, Christian, Muslim, Jew, anybody, who does not hear that prophet shall utterly de be destroyed from among the people. I think that's pretty heavy. So if Yahshua is the one like Moses, and I believe he is, then the one like Moses is returning. And that means everything is still in play. Same commandments, same things, same grace, and same mercy as well. So, who is among the people? If you go back to Exodus chapter 20, it's not, obviously it's not the Muslims or whatever, but it's Israel. Isn't that just the people that we're talking, the context here? Actually, yes. Okay. I'm just trying to broaden it because help the grafting, grafting in going on and everything, yes. Right. 
Well, you can become Israel. That's the exactly. thing you need to decide. Yeah. And, which means you have to honor the covenant, which is what Yahweh did when he visited them back in Exodus chapter 20, like what uh, Jerry was talking Yeah, he gave them the entrance to the kingdom of heaven, would you say, John? These are the, these are the rules and regulations how the kingdom of heaven is going to be run. So, so look at Moses as, uh, where did I leave off? And, you know, obviously in the law, in the Torah, there's grace that's in it, okay? There is. Our, our Father's been so gracious and so merciful. So look at Moses as doing the same mission as uh, Yahshua. I kind of wrote that weird. What I'm talking about is Moses and Yeshua, it was the same mission. They were essentially doing the same thing. I know Moses was first, but what, what, think about it. What was Moses' mission? Bring him out of Egypt. Bring him out of the world. Redeem them, buy them, right? Bring him to the mountain and teach him the way to live a wonderful, prosperous life till that visitation comes. I just think it's amazing. I, I sometimes I think, or at least for me, I would bring forth that I was like, wow, there's more to there's a more of a parallel between Moses and Yeshua than I think that we really realize. But if you're not reading the Old Testament and you're not doing the Passover and you're not reading the Exodus story every year and going through that and analyzing it then you, in some ways you're not going to see that great comparison. Because to be honest with you, all through the text, all the prophets, all they talked about was return, return, return what? Return back to the feast. Return, do these things. We have never been given any new feast to do, any new other commandments or any other things to celebrate according to how he set down, you know. And so it all comes back to that story. So that means that we have to really know this Passover story inside and out. And when we do that, we're just going to get closer to Yeshua. We're going to get closer to our Redeemer and ultimately to our Creator. So, so, Ultimately, let's say Yeshua, what did I said this already? He, just like Yeshua, uh, Moses, he redeemed the people with what? Blood from the lamb. We just happen to see Messiah redeemed the people with his blood, the lamb. He, he brings them to the Father. He shows them how to live. He gives them instructions on right, wrong, clean, and unclean. Messiah's been doing the same thing. That's all Messiah talks about. He gave them hope. Do we not have that in Yeshua? They had that hope in Moses. And now here's the problem that we got to look at, and I'll be the first one to raise their hands. You kind of don't see that hope if you're murmuring and complaining. And ultimately, he gave them a land. He gave them a home and a place that they would be able to live. Not only live, but the presence of the Almighty would live there. Wow. That's why they did the whole tabernacle thing. It wasn't just an exercise in nothing. You know, let's just do this. You know. No, he was trying to teach us, teach them and teach us the ultimate. And that promised land is still 
Someday he was going to do that, like the prophets talk about. He's going to gather everyone to the kingdom of heaven, and he has plotted out that land where that land is, and it's in Israel. So someday, when the Father returns, he's going to reunite us with our long-lost brothers and sisters, and it's going to be huge. It's going to be an unbelievable thing, and I think a lot of us aren't going to understand what a magnitude of that day will be. But there we have a hope, not only to live and to live forever, all right? So, so again, let's just say the spirit that was back then has not changed at all. He's guiding us just as much today if we're willing to listen to the voice. So at this point, I would like to bring up maybe... Uh, we have some comments, and then I, I want you guys to be thinking before, uh, be thinking. Think of other things where Moses and Yeshua, there's a parallel. I didn't want to sit and go through all of them. I want you guys to get the juices going. Sister. Okay. I totally agree with you that Moses and Jesus, uh, Moses was a, a type of foreshadowing, in a way, you know, mm -hmm. of Jesus. Um, and so my understanding, which could be wrong, is that, um, even though God gave us the instructions to live by, those instructions were never to save us or the Israelites. There was no salvation. It was based on, um, grace. Even back then it was based on faith because Abraham yes. was saved by faith or by, was righteous by his faith. Mm -hmm. So the rules, the instructions in the Torah are because God wanted to teach us how to live, not how to be saved. And I just wonder if that's... No, there, that's an interesting way to put it. Yes, I would say his whole point was to show us how to live. And in that living, we show that we have redemption. We sh we're, you know. I think we're it, redeemed yeah. first. Oh, the and then we do those because of our redemption. Yes. yes. I would Just agree wondering. with that. Yeah. Go ahead. No. And it's, you know, it's what we do with that redemption. You know, if we've been redeemed, then what do you do? If you do love him, you'll do what he says. If not, well, you have your free will, but you, <laughs> your redemption card runs out, I guess. You know, if you don't, right? <laughs> we just have to remember that there was salvation in the Old Testament because in Exodus, we're going to get to it in the Tuesday Torah portion and in our, our weekly portion. When he's bringing them out of Egypt after they come in, he says, I saved them. So we have to realize that if God gives me instructions how to live, and those instructions keep me from major, let's, let's just say illnesses, that's salvation. I've been saved. Yeah, there's different. See, we're, we have to understand we've got one concept of salvation from the Greek mindset. Salvation means deliverance from any catastrophe, any enemy, any. That's, if you look up the definition of salvation, that's what it means. Sometimes we take on a whole different concept of what salvation means. And so if, if Jesus came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, what was their enemy? 
the divorce certificate. Death, the, the death. So whenever he removed that, we're saved from the death sentence. So that's, that's, that's a concept of salvation. The, the, the death was the enemy. It was the catastrophe. So there's many catastrophes that the Israelites were saved from in the Tanakh. Many. It's just we have to understand that. The biblical concept of salvation. Paul? One of the things that being redeemed or saved so that we can actually follow his instructions, to follow his instructions means that we would be holy, or a more appropriate term would be set apart from the world. Like Yeshua said, I am no part of the world. It has no hold on me. His people are to be set apart so that they can be identified, and that would bring the praise and glory to his name because we are set apart people who walk in his statutes, who walk in his Torah, walk in his commandments. So therefore, we're putting on his character, we're putting on his name, and we're walking in Abba's instruction, like any parent that would give an instruction. When you talk about their fruits, how are you identified? You're identified by your fruits, your works, your seed, what you produce. Now, flipping back here, the Redeemer, how does this come about? Did they know that in Torah? The strangest place that I found it was in Job 19, starting at 25. It says, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take a stand on earth, even after my skin is destroyed, yet, my, yet from my flesh I shall see Elohim. How did Job know that? He's talking about a Redeemer, and, and how did he know that? Yeah. Because it was something that in the Hebrew mindset and the way they were reading the Torah and, and everything else and the instruction all the way down from Adam or Shem, however you want to say it, they understood that redemption was part of what was going to take place and that to walk in it, to be redeemed or to be saved or to maintain that is to be set apart and honor Elohim by keeping his word. No, I agree, Paul. Again, I, uh, thank you, both you guys. Because uh, if you look at it, there is ultimately restoration is bedded in the text itself. Um, right off the top of my head, thinking if you go back to Abraham, Abraham was given a promise for him and his seed to live there forever. Well, we know Abraham has passed, and most of his seed has passed. But it says for them to live there eternally. So that means that Okay, there must be that eternal section yet to be. And that's what, if we have the faith of Abraham, he's, he, he believed that, he knew that. There's much more. But in the meantime, like you hear, uh, I, you hear the, we have these commandments to guide us and give life as we go. Because that's just part of who he is. I'll get... I'll get Perry Beth, and then we'll have to finish up, and we'll have to come, and we'll have to finish the rest of the, the chapter four next week then. A real easy way I like to think of it is as parents, if you have had children, you have rules in your house because you see that if they will do these things, it will be better for them not to, you know, 
go against her will or be mean, but it's like, okay, if you come home at 10, I know it'll be better for you if you don't hang around these people or you just see things a bigger picture. And it's because you want to save them from maybe a hard road, a hard life if they get down a certain road. But I like to think of it like that. He sees more than we do, and he's given us these instructions because he wants to save us from certain things and the blessings that we'll have if we just follow we may not understand why just like our kids don't understand why we say don't do this or do that but if we trust in him and it's like okay he's told us to do this it's not our salvation but it's living a life that he wants us to live to be blessed here on this earth um, if we just follow his ways and sometimes it's blindly following because we don't understand but we trust in him and we love him and we know he has our best interest in mind so that's why we do these things too to live blessed not only the afterlife the salvation and the afterlife which would be the divorce certificate being saved from death but to be saved just from the turmoils of this life as well it is yes thank you honey so there's a lot that's uh, that we see here in the text and uh, and to me the understanding about why Moses was put in place and how he is like uh, uh, sister said a foreshadowing of Messiah and I would say yes a foreshadowing Messiah but yet a concrete way how we live our lives that Messiah comes and backs up those same principles and doesn't change them I will get you again and then we'll have to close um, again, I'm not stating that I know what's right and wrong. I agree with almost everything you guys said. I agree with everything Perry Beth said um, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm -hmm. That is salvation. That is what I mean when I say, okay. So keeping... Mm, we'll talk more, but these, just like Perry Beth said, these instructions that were given were because he wanted to teach us how to live and protect us. Uh, I do believe they are protections, and I do believe they are blessings, but doing those things will not save you. That's, I just, that's where I stand right now. No, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, he's the ultimate one that can only redeem us and save us. He is the only one that has that power. And if that's the case, and if he says do that, then he has the power. I will let's do what he says, you know. So thank you, everyone. So let me close in prayer here. Father, Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of your words and the faithfulness of you and your character uh, the love, the mercy, and the grace that you, you so abundantly pour on us. Help us and empower us with your spirit so that we may continually become in the image that you would desire us to be, and that would be your son. We thank you again for your love and the redemption that we see in your son, Yeshua, your very words who were manifested and walked among us. We thank you again. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here. Come back next week. We'll finish uh, chapter four, and then we'll get on to chapter five. Shabbat shalom, everyone online. Thank you.